everybody. Welcome back to Hotline Monday. It's Monday, the uh, uh, freaking 9th of uh, May, <laughs> 2016. I'm Scott Johnson with Brian Justin Arbiter Young. I made that up. That was all a joke. I Because I, last time I called you Brian, it's a just big joke. It's Justin Robert Young, everybody. Woo! The funny thing is that you didn't call me Brian last week. You called me Brian two weeks ago. Oh, so I thought that- it was last week. Wasn't it last week? But broke it the streak, and now <laughs> he started a new, totally separate streak. <laughs> ah, I don't remember anything anymore. And look, I don't know how you do either. You guys just had like a raucous party in San Francisco, and I don't know how you're like not uh, hungover or uh, something. Well, you know. uh, yeah, no, we had we had a great live show, a uh, Night Attack Live in uh, San Francisco this uh, weekend. It was an absolute blast. Today is a lot easier than yesterday. Yesterday, I had to do like five hours of content between weird things after things and, and the jury show, which you have been burnt out over a long weekend. It is certainly difficult to just do an hour by yourself. Well, so. I was going to say, there's a difference between doing, you know, sitting with a bunch of people who can kind of carry you. But when you are doing a thing on your own and you have to be as cogent and engaging as possible in a solo way, that is no small bag of chips, man. I'm impressed. No, no, no. It is, it is, it is indeed a full, a full bag of chips, as opposed to a fun-sized <laughs> bag of chips that you might get on an airplane. But you want to know what? The real work of this weekend was at Night Attack Live, although that was amazing and iconic, and 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 the best time anyone had in San Francisco. No, no, no. Thursday and Friday played host to quite possibly the high water mark for geek filmmaking of the year. Civil War. Mm. It, uh, uh, Scott, do you want to do real quick, spoiler-free nugget uh, thoughts, and then we move into your calls and uh, and 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 all the spoiler discussion we can have? Yes, because listen, we respect you, the listener. We know that some of you haven't seen it yet, and we know you would rather not hear all this before you see it. So, knowing that, we'll talk just surface stuff here, our impressions, why we liked it. We both did. You're not going to get a lot of disagreement today. From Justin and I. But we'll talk about why we liked it. And then we will give you all the warning necessary to let you know when we start full spoilers. And then we're going deep. Now, I will, I will, all that said, I don't know that this movie is all that spoilerable in the first place. That is a subjective thing to say. I know that. Uh, But I say it anyway. I think I think I think that there there are elements to this movie that you do not see coming and that you shouldn't see coming. Oh, that's interesting because I didn't find that much of that in this. But we'll 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 see what those are in a minute. So let's um let's just break it down. We both really liked it. I saw your impressions on Twitter before I went. I saw it on Saturday. You saw it on Friday or Thursday or something. Yeah, Thursday night. Thursday night. Um, as I, the movie industry continues to bend to my aging, and yeah. at midnight movies. Uh, eventually will just be, you know, I don't know, whatever you want. Like <laughs> like the midnight movies that I used to be so excited to go to Thursday at midnight are now at Thursday at 5.30 yeah. and I get the early bird special with a nice piece of fish. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be like a retired Jewish man living somewhere on the Keys. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, so I saw it with my daughter and uh nick and my and my wife were somewhere else so they couldn't go to see at the same time they're seeing it tomorrow so carter and i went on saturday morning went with high expectations but also trying to temper ourselves knowing how much we love civil or um uh, winter soldier and i knew i was interested in seeing what the russo brothers did next and all those kind of things were in my head and when we got there 
And pretty soon they're bringing out every hero there is except for two notable ones. And they even told us where they were. And uh, we'll get to that later. That's kind of spoilery. But uh, they they bring all this out and they blow my mind. I walked out of there thinking this is, if not the best, it's certainly in like the top circle of two or three Marvel movies ever for me. It's hard for me now because so many of them overlap. I would probably put this Winter Soldier and Guardians all kind of mushed up in a ball for for my favorite of the marvel business yeah it's also very hard uh, i i think to make separation uh especially between this and and winter soldier because so much of what you like about this is kind of laid there from winter soldier yeah yeah i agree with that um uh, it's great I, I, it's I, awesome I, I, so tell me your t- give me your quick take what'd you think in in that in that discussion, because I do find it super interesting and, and 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 to be honest, a little weird sometimes when we get very hung up on like, well, do I think this is the best Marvel movie ever or the second best Marvel movie ever or the third best? And like now we get into these like, you know, a uh, uh, very, very muscular arguments on very trivial, in my mind, subjective ideas. Here's all I'll say about the movie in my mind, especially having thought about it over the weekend. It is the best Marvel movie of all time for me. Because art is always inherently subjective. And you know this as, as a, a, a artist that ultimately, for me, when you're judging stuff, yeah. it is how much you set out to do versus how well you execute on it. Right. To, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Not as difficult as trying something completely outside the box and and uh and, and executing that perfectly. Civil War puts so much more on its plate than any Marvel movie ever has. Mm-hmm. And beyond just the fact that there's 75,000 uh superheroes involved in it, uh there is uh a, 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 and and this what we will get more into it, there is an emotional depth of and and complexity on several levels of this movie that Marvel's never really touched before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's something that uh, I, I really commend them for because they could have easily just done a movie that was a lot more like Age of Ultron in that, hey, look, here's a, a hurdle that we know they're going to clear, but we're going to have fun doing it. Uh, and then at the end, you know, they're just going to keep going and, and we just know these, these heroes are going to be here. Uh, this movie did... It wanted to be something more, and it wanted to be a counterpunch to the 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 very successful jab that Marvel's thrown constantly. And I I, I admire them greatly for it. And I, my favorite elements of the movie are involved in that. So I, I agree with that. Also, if you felt like it was under, like they they didn't reach their goals with Ultron, like Ultron was an example of where they took as many heroes as possible and had one basically one villain and tried to make a movie like that and didn't succeed very well then i've got great news for you because it actually turns out it is possible you can actually have additional layers of complexity additional layers of nuance and pull it off and make it better than that movie was Uh, like listen i'm not here to shoot shoot i'm not here to start clapping back at joss whedon but this is a movie that figures out reasons why heroes can fight each other that don't involve mind control yep that's exactly it. Also, like, also, I got to. This has to be said before we go to full spoiler mode, and that's this. 
it is not a it is not an unknown thing that both Superman v Batman or Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice and this movie in many ways deal with the same core subject matter collateral damage what does it mean to be a hero in this world and and and, and even more that we will get into yeah we'll get into all that and all i want to say is dc should be dc and warner brothers should be embarrassed they yeah. should be embarrassed because once again their best ideas they have always had they've had it forever because they have the two most important characters in the history of comics was stripped from them again by what used to be uh, a couple of B-tier characters on the Marvel side. Uh, and, you and dummies. That, their, their claim of like, well, no, you can have the popcorn of Marvel uh, or you can have a serious you know, look at these characters with DC. Sorry, bro. There is more pathos, more pain, more dark, weird themes mm -hmm. this movie than Batman Superman. I completely agree. And we'll get... They beat them at that. And I was <laughs> not expecting it. Final spoiler-free thought. Believe the hype. The airport fight scene is the greatest fight scene in superhero history. It's really not close. Uh, uh, the, it is everything that you want as a, as a comic book fan. It, it is like that... If, if, if they wanted to go full everything... Well, what if... He shot him, and then he did that power, and then while he was in the air, the other power, and then somebody else used their power to heighten that. It's everything. It's all those things, yeah. It absolutely does not disappoint. If there's any, if there's the strongest point, the strongest part of the movie, in my opinion, isn't necessarily script and story, although I think they're strong here. To me, it's their mastery of this kind of action and not being afraid to, to really give us comic book page action. And and gleefully so, like do things that you're just like, holy shit. We we will we will get into the spoilers, the other stuff that I that I have found myself kind of uh, being so enamored with yeah. uh, that, that does involve kind of uh, talking about the story. But they got it. They got it both ways. Yeah, they did the they did the Marvel movie where everything's super bright and and you know uh, they found a reason why everything mattered, like we always care about with them, and then. They also took it to levels that I didn't think they ever wanted to take it to or had interest to take it to. Or capability. So after the sound I'm about to play, spoilers, ahoy, here we go. I'm over 72. There you go. That's it. <laughs> we're, we're over 72 seconds is what that, I don't know what that is. But yes, from here on out, we talk about the meaty underbelly and the stuff. I don't know how soon we want to take calls. The phone's ringing off the hook, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, well, here, you want to know what? One more thing, and then we can take calls because we want to get to as many calls as possible. Uh, 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 Spider-Man could not be more excited about Spider-Man, could not be ex more excited about Black Panther. It, this is a movie that has 7,000 superheroes, right? <laughs> Every superhero in history is in this movie, and I left the movie saying, man, you know what I could go for? Uh, more superhero movies. Like, I want to see the next Ant-Man movie. I want to see the next Black Panther movie. I want to see the next Spider-Man movie. Like, I'm just... I want to see a Scarlet Witch Vision buddy cop movie. I want to see uh, I want to see Hawkeye get his own movie. I want to see like they just made me hungry for everybody that's in this thing and hungrier yet more for some who weren't there who could have played a, an important role but didn't for real reasons. And that's the thing is like they don't like they have a reason to do all of it. It right. all makes sense. Everybody's yeah. there. You know, it, it's the same reason why Deadpool was good. And yeah. for anybody who's like, we're not a Marvel fanboy. No, <laughs> even made Deadpool didn't make 
like, are not in the MCU. Why was Deadpool good? Because Deadpool felt like Deadpool. It was a it was a fun character that did the kind of stuff that you would want Deadpool to do. Black Panther. Black Panther carrying himself as somebody who's just without saying it. He's just. I run the most technically sophisticated country in the world in the middle of Africa. Like, do you really think there's anything I can't do? Like, he has this quiet confidence. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, I mean, it shows you how amazing this film is that I find like this catharsis and release and the end of that movie when Black Panther finds inner peace and saves a, 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 a villain who almost like, Richie Tannenbaum in the Royal Tannenbaum style has one of the most depressing, sad suicide <laughs> moments that you could possibly like, you know, put into a movie, uh, and that's in a Marvel movie randomly. Who's the villain? And I'm like, oh my god, do I want to watch Baron Zemo <laughs> blow his head off? Like, uh, and then uh, like, man, there stops him, and you're like, like what? What journey am I on? Yeah. What is this movie? I love this. There movie. were big chunks of that all over the all over the thing. Very thoughtful stuff, and you get what you expect from. Uh, everybody, and that's what I think I want to give the most credit of the movie for. Batman v Superman, and I hate to keep making these comparisons, but because the subject matter is so similar, they think you want dark and gritty and nothing underneath. Like dark, gritty uh, frosting on a cake that just tastes like shit. Yeah. This is them fully acknowledging and embracing everything that makes it great, bad, cheesy, and everything in between. It's Captain America, He's a stalwart guy. He's a Boy Scout. He's basically Superman in this world, and he wants to always do the right thing, and he's cautious of overextending, and he's 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 worried about what it means to give government too much power, even though his name is Captain America. So yep. you've got all of those complications. You've got Tony Stark, who has really great intentions, a lot of personal guilt going on, going through some stuff, making making a an argument that's actually a decent one. It's a decent argument. Like, this is not a cut-and-dry evil, bad, and uh, bad evil. It's like, no, I get it. I get everybody's perspective in this thing. The only person I felt that got really screwed at all was Vision getting pounded down like 300 feet below the surface of the earth. That was the only thing where I was just, I kind of felt bad for the robot played by Paul Bettany. Just a little bit. I liked so much more than I thought I was going to. Like he had, he had such a, like he was, he was a great accent in every scene that he was in. And that's where Marvel's at right now is that like, you know, Theoretically, in terms of the hierarchy of those characters, a scene where Vision is talking to Scarlet Witch while they're like making food together should be the most superfluous thing <laughs> on the planet, right? Yeah. But yet, it's Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. These are two great actors that yep. that can that can very compellingly carry a movie by themselves. And so when they care about this kind of subject matter and they elevate the subject matter, it just feels awesome. It feels and, and these are Good actors doing good acting, mm. not Jesse Eisenberg, who is a good actor that I, I enjoy putting on a silly voice so he can, like, really take it to some wacky, <laughs> zany places. And by the way, Baron Zemo is more Lex Luthor in this movie than any movie incarnation of Lex Luthor ever. Yeah. Baron Zemo in this movie with unlimited wealth is Lex Luthor. Yeah, no. Uh, dude, Captain America was more Superman. Iron Man was more Batman. Everybody playing all their respective roles were more of the thing on the other side. We had a better sort of mother story going on. Like, there is just a better... I mean, that's the, like, the, the final, like, like, just stick in the eye for DC <laughs> is that, like, they compellingly begin 
what a fight we didn't think was going to happen because yeah. we think we understand what this story is going to be by the time that they get to si uh, Siberia, which in in a way is Marvel playing against your expectations mm -hmm. for the fact that every Marvel movie is basically the same, where it's <laughs> heroes get the hoobajoob, the villain gets the hoobajoob back, and then the the heroes have to come together and, and steal the hoobajoob back in the final three seconds and kill the bad guy. Yeah. And so you think that that's just, it's like, okay, uh, Baron Zemo's, we're in this remote place. This will be a good little set piece. Uh, it's going to be four, five, if you count Zemo, on three. So you can already see this battle sort of like building up with these super soldier people. And then it's like, no, you are going to have to watch this snuff film of your mom dying. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and now from there, we get like this actual, a fight that matters and also doesn't puss out and gives us a winner. No, no, nobody wins that fight. And and kind of nobody loses it. It's weird. Like you're you're in your head, you're going, they oh, it's like they knew I was in the theater thinking this. Because when I see um when I saw Hawkeye going after uh Black Widow and I see them fighting hardcore fist hand fist cuffs, arrows, all that stuff, going crazy out in that parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, they're like best of friends, though. This is wrong. You can't put pit these two together in this way. This seems wrong to me. And the second I thought it, yeah, they have a conversation about still being friends. And it's not cheesy, and it's relieving, and it's it's uh, it's like this feeling of this is a weird setback, but we're all going to be okay. Like I can't even explain why that worked for me, but it totally worked. Well, because then they ratchet the tension back up because Scarlet Witch is like, like, you know, hey, no, you're pulling your punches. Stop that. Like, like we got to actually because, again, this is about capture the flag. Yeah. Yeah. It These wasn't about killing each other at all. Kill each other. They're not trying to arrest each other. They're trying to stop Captain America from getting to the Quinjet. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's uh, so good. That whole thing is so good. It's just just uh, awesome. All right, let, let's take calls. All right, let's take calls. You guys can talk about whatever you want. You come on here and tell us we're wrong, we're right, whatever you think. We got to, oh, I just added him and he went away. Dang it. Okay, keep those calls coming. It's, uh, uh, once again, 801-895-4724. That's it. And we've gotten a ton already, and I keep you keep going away. But just keep coming back, man. We want to know if you like it. Are we wrong? Are we right? Uh, were there moments in there that you want to uh, remind us happened that you thought were amazing while we wait for that next caller to hit? Oh, there's one right there. Never mind. No waiting. It's all about this caller. Hi, who's this? Hi, Hi this Leon. is Ashley uh, calling. Whoa, whoa. I lost. I had two people oh, at once. Hi, sorry. This is Ashley. People. Hello? Uh, this is Ian. Oh, hey, Ian. Sorry, Ian. That was weird. I don't know how we ended up at two at the same time. What's going on, man? What's your take on the movie? Uh, my take on the movie is I really enjoyed it. I do have... Uh, some issues with the Tony Stark arc in it and some of the decisions he made didn't make a lot of sense to me on, on reflection, but overall the movie was great. Okay. Say that again, Justin. Um, we, Justin, you're saying something. What are you saying, Justin? Oh, yeah, sorry. Pick, pick, pick your, pick your nits, man. What are your, what, what, what's the whole problem? <laughs> um, I guess, I guess, first of all, it was the, the thing that they did with the mother being the, the fulcrum of the final fight. That sort of came out of nowhere to me because they've, they've always established that he had this, competition with the ghost of his dad mm -hmm. and i was thinking that maybe maybe that would have been more effective for me yeah that the opportunity to to you know get to know his dad and make make peace with him mm -hmm. you know as an adult might have been a 
better story point for that. Yeah, I'd also, but here's the only problem I have with that, and that it seems like it's maybe a little bit stereotypic. Like they doing that would have been like everybody other thing. But th- I did want to say this. I'm glad he brought this up. Not only did Marvel scoop him on all those important story points and do them better in this movie in the same year, roughly that it was released. Or it is all the same year it was released. They had, <laughs> they literally recreated this universe's version of rich, rich guy with a fancy suit, Batman with some dark, you know, dark stuff. They literally recreated the killing of his parents, like we see with every Batman movie ever made. Yeah, like and we they, loved it. It was great. Because by the way, there, there are some people saying, "Ah, oh, I felt kind of shoehorned in." They were telegraphing that moment from the, the literal first scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. The literal first scene of the movie uh, is is them going back to this weird job that the Winter Soldier had that yep. eventually turns into our big reveal. Yep, that's right. I, I mean, it might have felt shoehorned in, but they, the, the you know this is kind of like what happened with with Batman or with a uh, uh, episode seven where it was like, oh well, why would Kylo Ren lose to uh, 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 someone who's never wielded a lightsaber before? Probably because he took. A blaster bolt that they'd been building up to be this biggest, most powerful thing uh, in the entire movie, and they demonstrated how powerful it was over and over and over again. And the fact that Kylo Ren was standing up was a testament to his power, as opposed to being able to beat anybody in any kind of fight. Indeed. I uh, uh, got another caller on the line. Who's this? Hello. Uh oh, someone's getting echo. Hello, caller. Hello, caller. Goodbye, uh-huh. caller. Here's another caller. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Shane. Shane, what's going on, man? Hi, Scott, Brian. How you guys doing? Good. Oh, <laughs> uh, All right. Jerry, sorry. <laughs> oh, he didn't mean see, look, everyone does it, dude. Everybody calls you Brian. Hey, uh, we're you talking about Civil War? <laughs> yeah. My one big takeaway from this is uh they finally figured out how to use Hawkeye without you thinking he was that gritty layer frosting on t- on top of a big piece of shit cake oh that's a and, good uh, that's a good point yep. yeah he's he's that was a breath he, of fresh air yeah he's johnny on he's smiley johnny on the spot there in this thing isn't he well yeah. well usually when- well i didn't mean to cut him off mid-sentence but go and ahead that, justin but, you know uh, at the end of the day uh, it kind of makes you wonder it doesn't make you it makes you happy that and again, no shade at Joss Whedon. He has made so many things that I very much love dearly. Yeah. He was not built for the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. uh, at least at its best. And and you know his version of giving Hawkeye a backstory and Ultron was giving him this other uh, you know this this other farmhouse scene that kind of took us out of the action and put a uh, you know a big break to to where we were going with stuff. Uh, and, and in this, you know, he, he's not in there a lot, but every time he's in there, he adds something. Yep. Uh, and, and he's not, I mean, again, like the original Avengers yep. doesn't know how to handle all the Avengers, which is why they need to, you know, have Hawkeye get, uh, mind controlled. Right. Because they like, it, it's Joss Whedon figuring out like, okay, well, I want to give everybody something. So let's, let's have Hawkeye get mind controlled for half the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in, in Ultron, they made a real strong attempt to make him a little bit more relatable. They gave him a wife and kids, and they're all off in some house nobody knows about. And, and you know, trying to give Clint a more sympathetic uh, twist or whatever. 
I don't know that I needed that necessarily, but that stuff still carries over. Well, a lot of things carry over. Scarlet Witch and Vision freaking carry over. The the Wachovia or whatever it's called. Is that Wachovia. It? Yeah, they that whole thing with the with the big chunk of land falling on people and killing them that carries over. Like, there's so much great carryover from the more mediocre of the many hero films that uh, you you still get a little bit of justice there. Hi, who's this? Who's on the line? Hey, it's Dave from Minnesota. Hey, man. It's good to have you on. What's on your mind? What do you think? So, I just got to say, I love the movie. absolutely loved it. But my question to you two is, with the success of Daredevil, or I'm sorry, uh, Deadpool, and it's R rating, do you think this movie would have been better with an R rating? Oh, interesting. So, oh. so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, just about you know the the rate the rating R of movies or of, of superhero movies just for the sake of doing it in the wake of that movie. Um, you say no? Why? Well, I mean, because I think we get what we need, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's not a lot of characters that. I think need to necessarily have more profane language than they have. Cause I mean, there, there's a couple S bombs that get dropped, right? Sure. Like in, in, in the movie in, in a way that feels organic and, and fine. Uh, you know, and if, if we went R, I mean, again, this is a sad movie. Like, do we need to see more graphic violence of, uh, uh, James Rhodes, uh, back being broken, right? Like, do we right. need to see more, uh, uh, violence in you know does does Baron Zemo have to shoot half his face off or something like uh, I, I don't think so I mean like I, I think that 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 uh, their rating they work very very well within their rating so I I don't think that they necessarily need uh, anything anything else there is there anything that you could think that would be good for for an R rating I mean you could say well I mean. <laughs> I mean, I've maintained this entire time the reason Deadpool had an R rating is because it needed one. It's the subject matter requires one. It's the story. It's the character. Anything else would be not true to that, to that, uh, all that stuff. If you do that to to this movie or you do that to your to your Avengers, you're doing the same thing but in reverse. You're taking them to places that they aren't normally in, that isn't in their character to be in. Yeah, the, the, this is in their character to be in. It's a little dark. It's got its moments. That almost suicide thing is really palpable and good. It's amazing, actually. It came out of nowhere. Well, here, think, about, look at it like this. This is a theme I didn't realize until I was talking to people about this. This movie is bookended. It begins and ends for Captain America with a very traditional Captain American, you know, rogues gallery villain committing yeah. suicide. Yep. Yeah. It's crossbones trying to suicide bomb captain america mm-hmm. right he's gonna kill himself so he can kill captain america and then it's zemo quietly trying to kill himself hoping that he has done enough to have captain america and and iron man try to kill each other yeah it's intense and the first one in particular really left us left a spot on me for the rest of the movie because all I could do is was picture that moment that she froze, that Scarlet Witch froze, which is the the explosion moment of him setting off that bomb on himself. Yeah. It's really something. Like that is a weird thing to see and longingly look at because they fro- the, she has frozen him in time, essentially, yeah. and stopped the the blast from going any further than just barely out of the vest he's wearing. And then to lift him up and move him. And then the you know, the catastrophic consequences about where she moved him. Like all of those things play a role in in really tweaking all of those like um Because this is the first time 
that we've seen something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that it's like, oh, oh, I didn't know that the villains did that. And when it first happens, it's like, okay, that's weird. But, you know, I guess, you know, that's that's what he's I mean, he's certainly a first act villain. Right. 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 He's also he's also another representation of collateral damage. I mean, he is jacked up and his face is mushed and all screwed up because of that building falling on him, which was a direct result of Winter Soldier business happening. Yeah. So. So they carry that theme throughout. Everything we're doing has some kind of consequence. And then the question is how much and who takes responsibility. And then it gets you really nuanced. Like that stuff is not lost on me. Every time something would happen, I'd go, oh, yeah, there are always two sides to this. Like all I could think about during the fight in the, in the, uh, in the um, airport was when Ant-Man went big. And by the way, when he went big, I had yeah. bumped Carter because as soon as he said, yeah, I've tried this thing once and, uh, you know, I've only tested it once or whatever. And I was like elbow, elbowing her going, dude, he's going to go big. He's going to go big. And she goes, no, he can't go big. I go, he's going to totally go big. And then he went freaking big. And yeah. all I could think about was, look at everyone's luggage everywhere. And all that plane is now destroyed. And how's that airport going to open again? And like I start, the movie made me think about collateral damage in a yeah. way that Batman v Superman or Man of Steel never made me question. Well, and, and, and I think there was a, a, I forget where I read it, but they made the point that like, hey, it's not that civilians die that we care about. It's that these heroes seem to think that's a problem and the DC heroes kind of don't. Right. Uh, and, and that's what rubs people the wrong way. Uh, one last thought on, on the Marvel movies that would have an R rating. Yeah. If, if, they, if they wanted to go R on Guardians of the Galaxy so we could have a scene where Peter Quill teaches Rocket Raccoon and Drax like uh, English curse words. Right. <laughs> and like that's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> You're down with that? All right. Hi, caller. Who's this? Hey, guys. It's Gabe. How are you guys doing? Hey, good man, Gabe. Always good to hear from you. Gabe's at the show. That's right. What's up, man? That's uh, two things to say. I never thought I'd say this, but man, that movie looks pretty hot in this version. Yeah. And the second thing is, <laughs> um, what do you think they got right about Peter Parker this time? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. This is a great question because so that's okay. So if I've been asked one thing since I saw the movie the most, it's what did I think about the Spider-Man treatment? Yeah. And I came away thinking, in fact, you know what? I wish I had the exact quote. My friend Scott Kurtz last night, we were playing Overwatch and he had the best quote ever. And I wish I could remember it word for word, but he basically said, how must Sony feel (laughs) when these guys can come in, make a little deal with them. And in 20 minutes of footage, make up for, a string of very mediocre attempts to bring Spider-Man to the big screen. It's really, really great. The kid is dead perfect for the character of Peter Parker. If you read those comics at all, look, if you love Tobey Maguire, you might not like this kid. There may be people out there are going to see him and go, oh, he's no Tobey Maguire. But for people like us who, who saw him more as a teenager, a nerd, someone who is really geeking out on his powers and all of those things, this kid in very short time became Peter Parker in a way that none of the other movies did for me. Uh, and Marissa Tomei is Aunt May. Yeah. Like it, it was just, it, it just felt young and vibrant and exciting and, and everything that, you know, the, the Spider-Man bears a lot of weight in, in general, I think in, in terms of its previous incarnations, because there weren't a ton of superheroes. Right. So when you want to think like, okay, well, how do we do epic? How do we do big? How do we do consequences? Then everything kind of has to be 
that like, oh, no, well, what about my family and secret identities and yada, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Whereas that's always like the most fun part about Spider-Man, like, is a lot of that wish fulfillment, right? And is a lot of that, like, very relatable. And that's what they got right in this was that, A, he's young. He looks young. He sounds young. So when Iron Man comes in and says, hey, we're going to Germany. I'm going to get you a new suit. He's like, ah, uh, I can't. Homework. <laughs> and, like, and that's relatable. That's interesting. So now all of a sudden, he's a very different character than anybody. And if, if there's a criticism you can have about Spider-Man in this movie, it's that he's almost unapologetically shoehorned in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because he doesn't really have a lot. Uh, I would have thought that they would have maybe hinted at some more previously unseen backstory between Iron Man and and Spider-Man going mm-hmm. into it uh, mm-hmm. and not have that be as it was in the movie, their first face-to-face meeting and and Iron Man immediately being like, yeah, dude, uh, you're Spider-Man. I but get aren't, it. aren't you glad, though, that he didn't give us an origin story, though, again? I mean, that felt... Oh, I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I was, I was glad they did. And in fact, I thought that they were even going to go further beyond that for when we, when, when we introduced them. But don't even get me started about how excited I am for Homecoming. Like, oh, my gosh. The fact yeah. that we get, like, a John Hughes-esque kind of teen film uh, starring uh, Spider-Man and the Vulture and Iron Man. I mean, like, I'm just going to say, I have no idea. This is my, uh, I'm not saying they should do this. I'm not saying that they will do this. I'm saying that you can find it on my Tumblr, because I'll be writing uh, <laughs> a, a fan fiction about it from now until uh, forever. And that is the idea of Tony Stark and Aunt May flirting or going on a date with one another. Immediately, this is what a, this is what Marvel's great at is like, oh, my God. Now, here's a bunch of characters. Yeah. Let's see how many different ways we can run them against each other. Yeah, and do it in a way that doesn't feel offensive to the comic origins of anything. Like, it's all good. I'm spe- and spe- Speaking of the heroes that aren't there, I'm talking about Hulk and Thor. We're going to talk about them after this call. Hi, who's this? Hello. Turn down your radio. Your audio is way low. Hello, who are you? Oh, uh, this is uh, Don from Atlanta. Well, hello, Don from Atlanta. I got Donald. Uh, nice to nice to have you here, man. What's on your mind? What do you think? Uh, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, but I was curious about your take on Martin Freeman. Was he maybe underutilized? He got kind of overshadowed by every other cast member. Yeah. So, all right. I was under the impression coming into this movie that Martin Freeman played Secretary of State. What's his name? Um, Ross. Okay. Thunderbolt Ross. Now, when I saw that actual William Hurt had come back from Hulk movie 2008 to play Ross again, part of me geeked out. I was like, oh, they're even willing to rope in that piece of shit from 08 that wasn't that great. That was okay, but, you know, we don't even have the same actor playing Hulk now. But, hey, they brought in old William Hurt. He's not doing anything. I thought that was super cool, and I got all excited. And then then when I saw Freeman, I went, oh, yeah, that's right. He's in this. What's he doing? I don't know what he's doing. It was way too short. Yeah, well, I mean, sure. But but if he wasn't somebody that we've known from other movies, we wouldn't have even noticed the role, yeah, right? I guess so. So it's like, it's only because we like Martin Freeman and uh, I, I could only hope that at his uh, office in whatever, you know, uh, a Pentagon 
cubicle block that uh, he has a secretary named Don. <laughs> I hope so, too. I really like him when he does his English or rather his American accent. I always think that I'm going to hear his Minnesota one from Fargo season one. <laughs> so it was hard for me not to pay you know, we have attention. a serious conversation in, in another episode where we have because they played that Doctor Strange trailer and I like the Doctor Strange trailer. Yeah. But I don't know how I feel about Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> just stealing uh, Dr. House MD's voice. <laughs> well, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool if somehow this character from Martin Freeman ends up in that movie and now we got those two chuckleheads and yet another project together? Imagine that. Uh, Think of that. Too much. It's too much. <laughs> Exciting. It's too much. Uh, hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Scott, and definitely Justin. It's uh, Ian. I am Sci-Fi. Hey, man. Good to have you here. What's your, hey. what's your take? Uh, so I, I got two things. Uh, one's an Easter egg I noticed and then a thought. Uh, so the, the cell that they put Bucky in is cell D23. Okay. That's their uh, their reference to the uh, D23 Disney fan club and uh, expo that happens every year. That's funny. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even I hadn't even heard that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I noticed it on my second viewing. Mm. Uh, the other thing, you guys mentioned that you were wondering what Marvel movie might be good for an R rating. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Zemo survived this movie, and Thunderbolt Ross has been reintroduced. Thunderbolt. Oh, that'd be all right. I could see yeah. that. He becomes Red Hulk at some point, right? Am I knowing that? He does. Okay. Yes, he, so, does. he does, yeah. And I kept wondering, if you're going to revive him from from the Hulk day, from the movie, the Hulk movie, make him a higher up in government, I guarantee we're not done with him. Like, I get, I, Yeah, I would agree with that, too. Yeah, so the question is, which way Yeah, which way do they go? Red Hulk to Thunderbolt. Sure, yeah. sure. And you're right. Actually, either of those storylines could... Could maybe go that way. I guess we got confirmation oh, yeah. today with a picture of uh, Wolverine, uh, Hugh Jackman, flipping the the blade finger, the middle finger, uh, <laughs> saying one more time, and all this confirmation about it being gritty and hard R. You know, I still say Wolverine's probably the 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 most suited for not shoehorning it. Um, yeah. But I, but I feel like anything that happens in the MCU, I will be I will be shocked if it's not on Netflix. It's not part of the you know, the Defenders stuff or whatever, I'd be shocked if Marvel goes full R with any other film stuff. I'd be, that well, would what, blow what, my what, mind. what better place to do it, though, is with the villains? Well, I agree. Yeah, if you're going to do, yeah, if you're going to do it, do it with villains. Uh, I mean, yeah, if, if yeah, if, 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 if they want to go that way. I mean, who knows? Uh, 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 Marvel is, and and Disney are, are they, they know what they're doing. If they get, if, if there's a project that makes sense for them to do it, then they'll do it. Uh, if not, then, then, they won't. So the, now, hint, the hints were that Thor and, and Hulk are off planet. Do you have any like prediction? Are we getting planet Hulk soon? I know he's supposed to show up in Ragnarok, so he'll end up in the next Thor movie, and maybe there's some transition there. Maybe there's some Guardians of the Galaxy connection to Hulk. But I could see that coming up, end up with like a planet Hulk preview on, you know, the next Thor movie, because supposedly they're off doing, you know, dealing with him, uh, mentioned by well, yeah, Thor Ragnarok is a buddy movie with the two of them. All right, I'm in. So we will we will see them next together. I'm all in on that. Uh, apparently, I can't find a picture online. Yeah, but apparently, in the airport scene, there is an Easter egg cameo from uh, the Bluth family stair car. What? Yeah, which makes sense because the Russo <laughs> brothers. 
you know, uh, you know, all their credits were TV credits. It's all like community and Arrested Development and stuff. So that's amazing. Keep looking for that. I want to see it while we take this call. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Chris and Casey. Chris, Mike, head in the chat room. Hey, Chris, good to good to hear from you. What's on your mind, sir? So, Scott, does the the very good banter between Falcon and Black Widow about the Red Wing make up at all for the horrible? That's not my idea of a party line from the first Avengers movie. The the simple answer is absolutely. In fact, I was um, <laughs> as I often do since the first Avengers movies. I look for the worst stupid one liner in these movies. And this yeah. movie did not give me anything that I would refer to as a stupid, dumb one-liner. She may have skirted close to one. I don't remember what it was. It's usually her, honestly. But I don't think we got anywhere near the territory that is, I don't see how that's a party. Which I freaking hate, as the internet knows. I always, that's, I mean, wait, is that just a you thing? Like, do other people hate that? <laughs> I don't know if it's just a me thing. I think it might be more of a me thing that I'm giving it credit for. Like maybe no one else cares but me, but when he yeah. brings, when he swings around and says, I'm bringing the party to you, Tony Stark does. And no, around I, the corner I, I comes. Know, I know the moment. Yeah. I, I know the moment very well. I just, I, 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 I've always been kind of confused as to why you found it. Like, I don't know here. Here it is. I'm going to play it for you. And you tell me if it doesn't even annoy you now. All right. So I don't see how that's a party. It's the, her delivery of it. It's just so, I don't see how that's a party. Okay. Oh, right. you're so pithy and so freaking funny in the face of a giant robot worm from space. <laughs> I hate it. I mean, but also that's like so much of the secret sauce of, of Joss Whedon's writing, right? Oh yeah. No, it's a Whedon. It's a Whedon thing. I, and I am fully cognizant of that. I don't, I do not lay it anywhere, but, but at his feet. And occasionally he does this to me. Sometimes it succeeds wildly. Sometimes he has Malcolm Reynolds say things that I want a tattoo on my chest. And then sometimes he has people say things. I just like, okay, that's a throwaway line. It's usually his TV stuff where you find the worst of it. But every once in a while, something will slip into a movie. And that was just, I hate that. Maybe it's just her delivery. She blew it on the line in, for what I needed to hear. It's kind of like yeah, I mean, I'm going to stop you. We don't need to talk about it again. You, you have certainly, you have. I think, I think you've made your point very clear in the eight years that the movie's been out that you don't like the line. Yeah, how, I mean, how how hard is it to tell that I don't like it that I actually have it handy? I don't see how that's a party. Like it's literally right here to play whenever I need it. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Uh, uh, any anything else stand out to you in in the film? Uh, you know, uh, we, we 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 touched on Black Panther. Yeah, that that immediately has kind of shot up my list of of, of expected films. Period. Considering Ryan Coogler's directing it. Yeah, I'm um really excited about that. I didn't know how I'd feel about it. Um, I don't know what I thought I was going to get. Honestly, I had no expectations for how they're going to introduce him or how he'd be characterized. Uh, as best I can tell, he matches any expectation I had. Like he just feels right. I like his stoic sort of nature well, for everything that i need to know about black panther you can tell me by describing wakanda right yeah, yeah. and yeah, and totally. and wakanda is is perfect in this film and in, in how it's portrayed that it is this reclusive tiny bastion of the future mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. that uh is very very secretive and normally doesn't let people in or out but has now based on the king's largesse similarly reacting as the Avengers have to the troubles of an increasingly dangerous planet now decided, all right, we're going to open up. We want to become part of the world community. We want to help out in our own way, especially because they view it as incumbent upon them that 
hey, if the Avengers are going to be put under global supervision, right. then we want to be a part of, of that. We want to chip in because if the Avengers will do it, then we will too. That they have something that they want to give back. And, you know, when all of a sudden that idea kind of is, is channeled in and then the idea, all you really need, I mean, just that one perfect back and forth with Falcon and and Black Panther of, of him, you know, just uh, so you like cats. <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, 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 Takala hitting him back with, uh, you know, the Black Panther uh, has, has been passed down from generation to generation of warriors in my uh, in my country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, thanks to my father's death, I am now the king. So I am both a king and a warrior. You tell me how long you'll be able to keep your friend away from me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. See, that was great. <laughs> By the way, I can't give enough credit to Anthony. What I heard was his brass ball <laughs> scraping against the, crashing through the the, uh, the the car there and scraping against the highway. And I cannot say enough about how much I love Anthony Mackie in this. I love Falcon. I think he is much needed uh, for the entire thing. He just adds a thing to it that the movie wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and also, credit to the Russo brothers and everybody involved for making a Captain America movie seem like it might not be all about him but in the end still about him somehow like it's about every it's about all this stuff it's about all these characters yet it's his movie and i was worried i'd go in and go well he's just going to get squished by all this all these other people and maybe you could argue he is because it's still not really totally entirely about him but it never felt like it wasn't a captain america fable to me it always felt like at the core of this is this guy this guy that represents the best of us, uh, maybe from the best time of us, or at least what we've created in our minds as one of the great generations, who's got this, you know, incredible sense of right and and wrong, and and it needed to stay about him, and it did, but still ended up being all these other things. It's so crazy to me they pulled it off. Like the fact that they can't pull that off with just Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, but they can pull it off with thirty of them. Yeah, is mind boggling to I me. Mean, they're 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 just operating at another level, and and now you're seeing uh you're seeing the fruits of that because of what's happening. You know now, uh, uh, uh Ben Affleck added as an executive producer of Justice League at yeah. the eleventh hour. Yeah, which, I mean, you by the and also you have uh, execs from Warner Brothers coming out and saying, yeah, by the way, we knew Batman for Superman was garbage, and that we had a major problem with Justice League, but we couldn't tell. Our, our our moles in the press that uh, while Batman vs Superman was in theaters because we didn't want to kill the grosses. So uh, now please understand that we uh, know that everything screwed up, and now we're going to add Ben Affleck a- as a producer, and then I'm sure that they're going to stop shooting at some point and retool it and move the the release date back. Like that, they are just in 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 a mess. And meanwhile, Marvel's so good at it, they're taking other people's properties and just doing the <laughs> other like they're doing other people's properties. <laughs> Laughs. Yeah, they totally are. And 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 the net effect is this. Marvel is probably going to help DC uh Warner more than than we think. In other words, by keep by having this contrast happen every time there's a major DC thing and then later that year Marvel comes out and blows everyone's minds with similar content. Yeah. <laughs> uh in terms of, you know, raw ideas and then turning them into something. I think this just make such stark relief for the Warner Brothers people that they have to look at it. They are forced to look at this and go, we are not in a vacuum by ourselves. This is 
being held up to this light over here and we are nowhere near that right now. So we have to change this or why are we doing it? We'll just lose more money if we keep jacking this up. So I feel like they... If, like, but, but why now and not the 13 other movies? <laughs> right? Why is movie 14 the one that they're going to be like, like, oh, you want to know what? I think these other guys got something here. Maybe we should... Really it's so like weird to me. Like, why? You're right. Why? Like, what's taking so long? Is it just people are afraid to say anything? Are, are, is Zack Snyder too in with people? Like, what's going on? Well, I don't you know, know. And, and the funny thing, so so the fixer in the chat room makes the point that, uh, Jerry, do you think the DC movies need their own version of Kevin Feige to keep things on track? And will Ben Affleck be that person? Number one, yes. But that's that's harder to say than it is to, or easier to say than it is to do. Uh, will Ben Affleck be that person? No, because Ben Affleck is a great actor and a director. And he's always going to be more interested in acting and directing and not necessarily being somebody that is very, very uh, powerful and smart and good at guiding the DC universe. Yeah. Kevin Feige is the perfect person for this role because if you read about how Marvel Studios came up, he was with Marvel Studios when it was just, you know, an office of four people in Santa Monica that were getting scripts from other studios about their properties and they would make these absolutely powerless notes to be like, yeah, no, this character wouldn't do that and this character should probably have that. And, and by the way, if you want to give them this kind of thing, you can refer to this stuff that we've done in the past. And the studios wouldn't take the notes or the ones that did would, would be better movies like Blade or X-Men or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so he has a DNA with these Marvel characters. Right. He has a he has a a pedigree with these characters. There's certainly somebody out there that could be that for DC, but Warner Brothers has to empower them. Mm -hmm. And and so far they don't really seem to have much of an interest in doing that. Do you know why? I mean, do you know why people listening why they pointed out and Tony Stark made a point of pointing out Spider-Man's web shooters and that they were not organic, that they were strapped to his hand, that he made them, he invented them. Yeah. This is to make up for probably one of those scripts that was sent. Figgy writing back going, uh, guys, you shouldn't make it organic. That's weird. Is it really weird? Yeah, don't do that. That's it's whatever. No, we're doing it. And they do it anyway. And I know that stuff's fluctuating in the comics and stuff, but... At the core, they wanted to make sure you understood a bunch of stuff about this transition. Like, this is a moment for them to say, yeah, we know there were problems with Spider-Man, so here's his, here is the purity of Spider-Man. Here is the pure vision of what that character is, and you're only going to get him for 20 minutes, but hot damn, what a great 20 minutes this is going to be. And it's, it is, it's not that I'm saying he's, like, calculating revenge against the, the long career he had before this of trying to make all this work but not having the power to do it. I just think he knows this stuff so well. I mean, he's going to be revered for a very long time as a true visionary. The guy has shepherded that very difficult thing into something real, palpable, and so money-makey that it's there's hardly anything like it. It's closer to Star Wars than anything else has ever gotten in terms of its money-making power, its, its confidence with fans, like all that kind of stuff. And in many ways, it exceeds where Star Wars ended up. Well, and, he's and, amazing, and, and that guy. It's like this is a franchise that goes forever. Like we watched a lengthy, at times dour, superhero movie that involved a fight the likes of which we've never seen. And we didn't leave saying, man, that was a great meal, but I am full. We left saying, oh, my God, if I could watch a, a new, the new Spider-Man movie right now, I would. Yep. 
right? If I could watch, if I could watch, who said Pink Panther? If I could watch Black Panther right now, I, I freaking would. If I could see where Thor and, and, and Hulk are right now, based on one comment, I got excited about the new Thor movie. I mean, that's all I needed. Like that is, that is, uh, I don't even know how you do that, you know? It's so jam-packed. No one's even mentioning the fact that Peggy Carter died. No one's <laughs> mentioning the fact that that you know this idea of frustrated, uh, in love Steve Rogers makes his first kind of romantic connection uh, uh, beyond his 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 stuff with 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 Peggy Carter. Yeah, like uh, it's it's it's. <laughs> Uh, to, to quote one of the more reviled quotes in geek history, it's so dense. Every frame. <laughs> yep, it's amazing. Um, we will uh, we will take a couple more of your calls in this regard, and then uh, at some point we can uh, we can talk about what happened in Game of Thrones this week. We always like to leave that toward the uh, the end of the show because we yeah. don't, uh, probably even less people have seen it than they have the movie. Hi, you're on the air. Who is this? Hello. Good evening. Caller. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Nothing? All right. Hey, caller. <laughs> hey, caller. Hello. Oh, hi. Who's this? Uh, hi. I was just calling because I live down the street from you. And oh, it's that guy again. It's that deal with the uh, okay. fake the fake call. Hi, who's this? Hi. Hello. 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 Hi, who's this? This is Mark from Spokane. Hey, Mark from Spokane. How you doing, man? What's up, dude? Okay. Hey. So... After watching Civil War, how excited are you for the next Russo Brothers Marvel movie, Infinity Wars? Oh, I could make them. They could make everything. So they're making. Okay, so <laughs> we need to talk about what they have next. They have the Infinity Wars thing one and two, right? Well, that's that's the next Russo Brothers movie in terms of the, the Marvel slate. It's Doctor Strange next, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Spider Man, and then I think is oh, Who's then the, Thor Black, Ragnarok. When's Black Panther? Marvel timeline. Seems like they shouldn't have that far that far off. That's next spring or something, I thought. Yeah. Because to have this movie be the lead-in, basically. I mean, that's what this... The, the stinger was all about. Hey, let's get going with the Black Panther business. You know? You hung around for that, I assume. I, I did. Both. Both of the... Uh... Wait, there was, a th- there was a second one at the very end? What? You sucker! You were in the parade of, of suckers? Oh, shit. I really did, I didn't know. I thought I read there wasn't. How many times does there need to be something <laughs> after the end of the credits? <laughs> Wait a minute. All right. Civil War second. You don't even deserve to know. I need to know now. It's going to bug me. Okay. Post credit scene. Okay. I'm going to see what's going on here. From the scene opens Peter Parker playing around with his web shooters. I didn't see any of that. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah, I Come- missed that. I didn't see it. Is there a video somewhere? Someone's got this, right? I'm sure. All right. I want to play it. <laughs> I'm ticked at myself now. All right. While I look for that. Leave. What, Next I, time, your, your, your kids need to yell at you. I, why, she was, if, when I tell her, she's going to be super pissed. Um, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello? Oh, I can tell it's one of those guys again. Okay, hang up. Uh, uh, let's look. Let's just see if it's out here. Um, uh, Spider-Man uh, Stinger. <laughs> <laughs> Civil, I'm, I don't know. I'm just looking here. Let's see. Okay. Captain America War extended fan TV spot. Nope, it's not what I want. Hey, Captain, big fan, Spider Man TV spot. No, it's not on. It's not on YouTube. 
Frick. Which makes sense. Uh, yeah. They want that in theaters, right? I mean, that's... Right, so here we go. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy comes out May fifth, twenty seventeen. So about a, for a year from now, Guardians of the Galaxy happens. That's after Doctor Strange later this year. Spider Man Homecoming July seventh, twenty seventeen. So next year, November third, Thor Ragnarok, uh, and then February sixteenth, twenty eighteen is Black Panther, and that leads us in to May fourth. Two years from now. We get Infinity War Part 1, and uh, in between that, uh, that summer, it's uh, the Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's July 6th. When do you get Captain Marvel? When's she all up in this? Captain Marvel is March 8th, 2019, although she apparently will factor into Infinity War. Okay. Okay, prediction time before I take this call. Does Captain America die and pass on the shield in the Infinity War duquel? I mean, who knows? I have, I have a, I have a feeling that that's all going to happen. But I would have thought that would have happened in this movie, right? Well, yeah, that's what I thought. I honestly thought I was going to get that at the end because I know Chris Evans is like, I want to do other stuff, and and I figured it was his time. And also, uh, settle down, settle down. You're doing real well for yourself. Yeah, chill out, dude. Um, don't do whether it was Snow Train or whatever the hell that was that train one we was in. Sir, I mean, listen, he's good. He's fine, right? But, like, listen, just keep that throwing arm in shape, and, and, and everything's going to work out. Hi, you're on the air. Is this Todd? This is Todd. Oh, hey, How Todd, Todd Whitehead, Lord of Alpha Geek Radio on the line. What's up, man? Uh, I'm still kicking. Um, I wanted to see what your feelings were on. So we're at a point in the Marvel Empire where they took a major villain, like Baron Zemo, completely rewrote him to be something Unlike anything he was ever in the comics, and not a single nerd complained. Mm. I think that that's a good sign. I think that's a sign that people because, trust Marvel uh, and understand it's a separate universe. I don't think they have a problem with it. And also, yeah, it's like, it, like who uh, explain Baron Zemo in three words? <laughs> comic book Baron. Zemo, right? <laughs> right. No. Look. No. Do that with any other ones you've seen. You've seen oh, change. No, but like, all right. So they had uh, uh, Red Skull. Yeah. Evil Nazi. Uh, guy with a red skull. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, uh, crossbones. Uh, mercenary. We wears a crossbones thing, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Balrock the Leaper. He's uh, he jumps around, man. He's a crazy, uh, crazy leaper guy. Baron Zemo. Yeah, uh, he's evil. <laughs> Real evil. Does evil things. But here's why I think people trust it. The comic book nerds who would be up in arms normally have seen i think marvel take great care in in presenting this as another one of the universes another place to tell storylines of characters you know but in a different universe it's the cinematic universe they're already used to this split in the comics it happens all the time where they'll say oh that's the ultimate universe so that's the whatever universe and they split them up all the time same with dc they always do this so they're just taking a convention of the comic books, which people already know about, and they've moved it to film without sounding like a bunch of dumb guys in suits who don't know what they're doing. They yeah. seem to know that they're doing that and that they're gleefully doing that and that this gives them an opportunity to do things they couldn't do otherwise. You can't do the Civil War event that actually happened in the Marvel comics. You cannot do that on film unless you want to make an eight-part series and have Squirrel Girl in it. Stupid and convoluted. Like, listen, I'm sorry. I'll take shots. That Civil War... Is, was a promising, interesting part, but uh, as soon as you get outside of the fact that that there are 
heroes fighting each other, it's boring and convoluted and stupid. Mm -hmm. And anybody who can describe to me with a straight face why the Civil War storyline in the comic books was interesting or fun, uh, then we'll just wait until you have to start talking about the alternate dimension prison that people start getting put in. And and we can we can then understand that it was just like fine. I mean, like it was it was it suffered all the sins of of event comic crossovers, right? right and that's right. why event comic crossovers past then have done less in the story department and they've just been World War Hulk or X-Men versus Avengers where it's just like, listen, get to what people want. Like, the superheroes fighting each other and, and them doing interesting superhero stuff. Yep, I completely agree. Um, all right, great calls, everybody. You want to talk about uh, a little Game of Thrones here? Let's get into America's right. favorite segment. Here's the, be the best part is the sound clip. Watch the Thrones! Watch, here's the theme song. <laughs> one song, one song only. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad because it's you playing it, me recording it, Skype lag, us talking. It's like the worst possible thing, but damn it, we're keeping it. It's our thing. For whatever reason, it makes me so happy. All right. Oathbreaker is the episode on Sunday, or last Sunday, rather, yesterday, as uh, we say here in America. Uh, you wrote, all right, yeah, I'm just going to read to you guys what's in our, our, our Spartan notes here oh, no. in the Hotline Monday show doc, <laughs> which is uh, Game of Thrones episode three. Scott writes, best of season, question mark. I say, answer, no. And then Scott writes below in all caps, liar. <laughs> That's a real window into our process, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I, uh, all right, let me make the, can I make the argument why it's the best of the season? Right, yeah. And, and, and let me just go oh, here. So you, you, you make your, make your point. Okay. Yeah. I, how do I put this? All right. I've loved the, actually I've loved the whole season. All right. I think it's great so far. Three episodes, it, not the whole season, but the three episodes we've had so far, I've, I've quite liked, I like the tone of it. I talked about this last week. I think it's, it's nailing that. It feels like a return to form in some ways. I've never not liked the show, so this that's not really a negative thing to say about the rest of the series, but I don't know. There's something about it, and maybe part of it is now I'm in a territory I don't know because there's no book for this stuff, most of it. Um, so it feels new and fresh in a way that it hasn't up till now because I'd read the books. So uh, I think it's the best one because the there are there are moments in this in this one that I think are terribly handled in lots of TV shows and movies. In particular, let's go back in time with Three-Eyed Crow and the kid, who, by the way, is not only grown all up and stuff, I think that kid's great, dude. He is, I think he's like 14. I'm going to I'm gonna make a prediction here. The kid who plays Bran Stark will be as much or as anyone else in this show, the one who goes on to do other stuff. I'm calling it now. There's something about him. You, you, you could certainly see him getting a uh, a role in one of these franchise, you know, kind of uh, kind kind of flicks as that show winds down. Yeah, you know? he's, he's real, real something about him. Can't put my finger on it. Just something's he's nailing it. So yeah. anyway, and he's barely been in it, and he's just leaving a mark on me. So there's something about that flashback that should have been dumb and cheesy, and I can't stand when young actors play people we already know as like Ned Stark later and all that sort of stuff. And the minute I saw that scene unfolding, I'm like, oh, another one of these. This is like Christmas, uh, Ghost of Christmas Past. I'm going to hate this. I freaking love that scene. Um, you know, so there's so I, many I, moments like that in this episode for me. I love I it. Like, I like the scene. Can I get just one indulgence for me to go full 
subculture nerd. All right. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> as a man who has attended many Renaissance fairs and has dedicated time and effort and blood and sweat to uh, realistic, period realistic stage combat, uh-huh. dual wielding swords of that size <laughs> is terribly wasteful, unrealistic, and would not be a viable weapon in the period for which they are portraying understanding that that is a simulacrum of a time period and this is a fantasy world. All right, that's it. I'm so glad you use simulacrum. So 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 you could nitpick that. I could see people no, doing that. That just it's listen, it's a broken part of my brain that just sees two gigantic swords being wielded like that and I'm like, okay, that's kind of silly and stupid, but I understand that looks amazing and it's awesome. And the whole point of of Arthur Dane being the sword of the morning, uh, you know, is is that he is the greatest guy who has ever wielded a sword. He is somebody that needs to realistically, visually look like he could take down, uh, you know, four people by himself effectively. Yeah. Uh, and so he does that. They use the two swords to to, to get that across. That's fine. I I very much like that scene in general. But I also liked what I liked about it. Like this, the, the show seems to be pulling back pulling back a little bit the the curtain on well Ned Stark wasn't perfect was he never told this part of the story did he yeah um that so there's that part and then later it's like well Jon Snow you clearly are chosen in some way you've got you've gotten brought back to life well by, wait a minute uh, Scott yeah it's us setting up so let's think of that as one unbroken thing okay uh, right. for from from young Ned Stark's perspective right Let's just say that that might not be the first time that he is in the next five minutes going to have to see something for which he is going to have to keep secret for the greater good. Ah. <laughs> and that that is foreshadowing the mm. fact that he never said, yeah, Arthur Dane died because he's this great noble guy that ultimately he doesn't want uh, he doesn't want to disparage his name mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to disparage the name of the Reeds. Right. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want to say, yeah, Arthur Dane died because he got a, a a knife in the back of the neck from somebody that he thought was dead. Right. <laughs> right. Like that, that dishonors the Rees, that dishonors the memory of, of Sir Arthur Dane. He doesn't want to do that. So to his family for the intervening decades, he keeps that secret. Yeah. What other secrets could he possibly learn from that cry <laughs> in the top of the tower? We will find out. Gosh, I wonder if it's a woman giving birth to a to one Jon Snow, perhaps. That's my current theory. Hey, take your take your conspiracy theories to Goodreads. <laughs> All right. So then Jon Snow back to life. Grandma dressed as hot lady brings him back. Right. So he's rolling around doing his thing and he's got to put to death these people that stabbed him that took out the the uh, what's it, what's he called there? The commander general man. What's he called? The uh, the Lord commander, Lord commander of, the of the Night's Watch. All right. So. So he does that. They all get their final say. And he's got to look a 12-year-old in the eye. Yep. And know that he's about to horribly strangulate this kid on a rope. By the way. Yeah. That is a terrible way to hang people. (laughs) There's a reason why you see in hangings, it's, it's that you drop through a floor. Yep. It's because the point of a hanging normally is to drop them so fast, so far that they break their neck and they die. Right. 
to like watch them strangle is like almost like uh, uh, you know over the top. But I guess the point is to show that this is what this kind of punishment is. So I, I was five. Yeah, that. you'll you'll allow it like a judge. You'll allow it. Um, so they so so this to me marked a moment in Jon Snow's career where he then sheds the cloak and says, "See, ya, you run the show now. I'm out of here." It's a character moment that really matters because what we're seeing is. You shouldn't be back here. You shouldn't be alive. But now that you are, now you got to make this bad decision or this hard decision. And that doesn't sit well with you. Looking into that kid's face is not sitting well with you. And you just got to get out of here. And you got to go figure out what the hell you're really supposed to be doing. Like, I just felt like the whole episode was full of these major moments of, like, sh a character shifting in, the, in a very important wind. Well, and and what is exciting about the trajectory of the show is that we are getting a lot of these things a lot faster than I think we would have thought we would have in, in, uh, in, in previous seasons, right. That, yeah. you know, you could have figured that maybe you could have stretched out Jon Snow being dead for probably an episode or two more. And it would have gotten annoying, uh, cause we kind of knew where it was going, but you, I mean, you, you had enough, rope that you could stretch that out to make it more believable that maybe he was actually dead. Mm -hmm. You certainly could have kept him on as Lord Commander for another episode or two where he slowly comes to the realization that his place isn't here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like he's not about to get a bunch of news that would be very interesting to him. That would be a credible reason for him to leave, but yet the show wants to take him they want to give him that nobility of saying I, I am breaking my own oath here. Like yeah. I'm I'm going to walk off. Although technically I did kept I, I did keep my oath because I did die. So I served until <laughs> I died. Uh, <laughs> LOL fine print, right? Yeah, exactly. He did it for the lulls. Because at that point, if you are dead, you are no longer Lord Commander of anything. And there's this weird presumption of he's gotta now stick to his oath again, even though he died. Well, uh, no one, no one comes at him, right? Like no one's like, "Whoa, dude, you're breaking your oath." They're just like, "Okay, uh, understood. You've yeah. been through quite a bit, uh, so whatever you need." But then you've got Sam Samwell giving an oath to protect her and keeping that oath, but also breaking an oath that he's going to stay with her. Like this, the whole oath thing working for me, top to bottom, just totally working for me. And the conversation between. The king and old man Sparrow dirt, dirtbag butthole. Yeah. Uh, the Pope, basically, uh, on the little bench there was just this great illustration of the kids still got some naive naiveties. Also, this this kid with kind of a good heart, despite his heritage. Yeah. And wants the best of everyone and wants to see the best of everyone. And you've got this guy who I can't tell if he really believes all this shim sham or if he's just manipulating the situation. I don't know. And then... Maester Pycelle farts in a meeting. Best oh, moment I mean, in the show. <laughs> it was brilliant, dude. It was. I mean, like, if you're just going to ADR a fart, like, you know, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, again, we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, is is what's what's amazing is the high-low of, of Game of Thrones, yeah. that it it can do these, these, uh, high drama, like the scene of Varys and, and the, and the, and the prostitute who was, uh, working for the Sons of the Harpy. Yep. Like, you know, you get that. That is as Mad Men, Downton Abbey, like, tension, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the mastery of that performance and the rhetoric is just... Mwah, so right? good. So good. But then you also get somebody farting because they saw a monster, <laughs> right? Like, 
it, it is just just awesome uh, uh, to to see uh, you know what else is there. Okay, uh, people are, are pointing out. Yeah, of course, big uh, development. Small John Umber uh, bringing Rick and Stark. So now Ramsey Bolton, the unhinged, uh, has Rick and Stark in his control. Oh gosh, and Shaggy Dog is now uh, without a head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, it, another wolf, dude. Another wolf down. Can I can I tell you the most exciting idea that I read on the internet? All right, what? Are you familiar with the meme that has been going on for two years now of the Clegane Bowl? No. <laughs> there are people, many of whom are on the Game of Thrones subreddit, that are waiting and praying that we get a moment in the show wherein uh the mountain that rides faces his brother, the hound, in a Clegane Bowl. And we got <laughs> the biggest tip that this might be happening. Okay, was it the Arya stuff? I'm sorry, the girl that has no name? No. What? So now Because she made mention of him, but I don't rem- I'm not sure what you're pointing at. We made, uh, the point was made that, uh, that Cersei will have to stand trial. Yeah. Well established as they make uh, a point in the show yesterday. Yeah. And she will be forgoing her evidence-based trial right. and instead be requesting trial by combat mm-hmm. while old, uh, you know, green-eyed monster uh, Clegane uh-huh. right, will be her champion. Of course. Just like last time. Meanwhile, last time we saw the Hound, who is mentioned... In this, uh, in 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 this in this episode, yeah, he was being left to die. Yeah, we never see him die. Right. If you dare to go uh, around on the internet and listen to interviews with actor with with uh, an actor who is very awesome and you and I both love, mm-hmm. uh, he apparently plays a monk who rescues a character once thought dead. What. Which means that if the Lannisters have Sir Robert Strong, yeah. Sir Zombie Clegane, as theirs, <laughs> Militant has to go through their ranks that would include monks, they might find the now rehabilitated hound, hashtag Clegane Bowl. The hype is real. <laughs> might never die, but rise larger and hyper than before. Wow. Okay, hold on. I got to Here's something for that. Here we go. All right. Let's get into it. It's, uh, it's basketball. It's not as good as football for this. But, oh! But, <laughs> but wait a minute, though. If... No, no, no. I'm okay. I'm in, I'm in on this, and this would give this would give Sandor Clegane, Junior there, Hound Face, Burn Face. Yeah, the Hound. He can get some. He can get some revenge because his brother's the biggest douche in his life. Yeah. Right. Clegane Bowl. Hashtag Clegane Bowl. I'm in. Everybody, get a t- get hyped, get excited. All right. Well, that that probably helps us wind things down uh, as we have <laughs> as we leave today's episode. Uh, <clears throat> all right. It's I'm uh, like queued up whenever we mentioned the clicking bowl. I'm so excited that you just had that on hand. That's so perfect. <laughs> well, that's what I do. Um, all right. Let's get some uh, plugs out of the way, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, what's going on this week? You got anything cool you want people to be looking at? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, The Contender, if you're a fan of The Contender game, uh, we are hopefully getting the the expansion packs in sometime this week, which means that we'll do a big pack and party and get it out to everybody. That'll be our final fulfillment on our Kickstarters, finally. Um, but if you uh, have the game, then guess what? Go ahead and just sign up for our Facebook uh, or like our Facebook. That is uh, facebook.com slash game, and we are going to have this week a free print and play go up using all quotes from candidates in their in their uh campaign suspension remarks so uh, the, the the quitter expansion will be on our facebook uh and our twitter but but go and sign up for the facebook uh that is uh facebook.com slash the contender game facebook.com slash the contender game and if you don't know what i'm talking about head over to the contender.us pick it up it is a super fun game, and everyone's loving it. Awesome. Uh, real quick, so if you got your, you already know if you got them, but yesterday was free comic book day, or Saturday was, and you know if you got signed up because you would have got confirmation on this, and if you did, I'm be signing those tonight, shipping them out, so everybody be excited. Those are coming. Free prints. Thanks, everybody, for participating. We had a bunch more than last year. Every year it gets bigger, so really appreciate it. Uh, secondly, tomorrow, sometime tomorrow, we will have all the details up for the Warcraft movie ticket reservation thing for our premiere in June. If you're going to come out here uh, and all the locals who listen, if you're interested, it'll be up at frogpants.com slash Warcraft. There's a holder page there now. All the final details about time of day and how to reserve tickets so you can make sure you can come. That'll all be up tomorrow. So watch for that. That's frogpants.com slash Warcraft, a movie I am completely not sure about yet until we get there. I don't know. I don't know. I have a long history life life with these people. I love me some Warcraft. I, I love Warcraft. It's a big part of my life for the last 20 years uh, in one way or another. And uh, I want this movie to be great, but I don't know, Justin. I don't know. I mean, safe to say that it has had an underwhelming Twitter presence. Or sorry, a trailer presence, right? Yes, that is not only safe to say, I think it's... I think that is, it must be said that I think the trailers, at least the the domestic ones suck. The international one's pretty good, but the other ones make me worry that they're trying to trump it up to be something for a crowd that isn't actually interested in this. I don't know. There's a lot of things in my head about it. I just know I love Duncan Jones and I love his movies and this is totally different from anything he's made and that could be great or bad and and this, the story of Warcraft itself is dear to me, but if I'm truthful about it, it's not really that deep. It's kind of based on more tropes than it is original ideas. And all these things are kind of convoluted in my head. I'm torn 150 different ways. But all I know is sitting in a movie theater with a bunch of my friends is one way to make up for whether it's good or bad. So, Oh, no, no. There, there is no doubt that it will be great. It will be amazing and fun to watch, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, really, the biggest thing that, that I, I mean, from what, I, and I know more about the world of Warcraft now since I've become obsessed with Hearthstone than I, than I did ever before. But sure. One thing that's very, very clear is that it's a it's a funny universe, mm -hmm. and there has been scant amounts of any kind of humor in those in those trailers. When it's like, you got to figure like, why is that not their big selling? Like, uh, isn't that why Warcraft would be a great property to make right now in a world where Marvel is gigantic to do the funny and fun uh, fantasy? franchise they are they are presenting it as very self-serious and that has some people concerned there is some there's some reason to have hope though because in the in some of these promo shots and things from the set there's lots of little 
weird Easter eggs and things that only gamers are going to understand what the reference is. And so we think, well, maybe that's part of it. And maybe also they'll be, they'll have some fun with these orcs and they won't be just, you know, we've got to escape our land and take over this new place. And the humans won't be out dour about the future of humanity. And, you know, they can actually not take themselves too seriously because the game certainly doesn't and never really has. So, <clears throat> yes, what you say is, is, is indicative of my concern. I want them to I fully embrace it. Your favorite part of the movie is when the human council decides that they're going to build a wall and make the horde pay for it. Exactly. That's going to be the best part. Then I want them to take a picture of them eating lunch where they actually built a wall around their their (laughs) horde food. Just like one Donald Trump. No bowls for everyone. That's right, everybody. Uh, Thank you all for being here. Don't forget our Twitter account is Hotline Monday. You can also find uh, uh, Justin at Justin R. Young. You can find me at Scott Johnson. And uh, what else? Uh, you can call us, 801-895-4724. Just keep that number handy. That's what we take for live calls. Thank you, everyone who called. And for those who couldn't get in, we'll get you next week. Hotline Monday at gmail.com is the email address. Today's title of the show is Marvel Gets the Hoobajube. Yep. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I think that's it. Anything else, Justin? We're good? Nah, man. See you next week. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you then. is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>